Welcome. You are listening to a broadcast by Barnabas Foundation, your trusted partner for smart and powerful generosity. And here is your host, Reverend Philip Leo, Director of Church Communications. Hey, everyone. Welcome uh, to Facebook Live this morning. Thanks so much for logging on and joining us today. My name is Philip Leo. I'm Church Communications Director at Barnabas Foundation. Before I forget, I want to just mention that uh, we do record uh, these and then we uh, post them on our Facebook page and other places in the form of a podcast. Uh, so if you're thinking about sharing this, it's an easy thing to do. Once, uh, once you get signed up for uh, our podcast, you can share it with other church leaders, with elders, um, and also, yeah, I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that at the, at the front. I want to also uh, welcome my guest uh, with me this morning. Michael Tenhaken is pastor of PCRC in Pease, Minnesota. And Sadie Ash is a CPA. She's a member at PCRC. She's also the chair of the finance committee. So welcome to both of you today. Thanks, Phil. Thank glad, to be, glad to be with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I... Michael and I were talking earlier in the week, and I asked about uh, snow on the ground. And Michael, you told me there's lots of it on the ground right now. We have a lot of snow right now. Uh, there's a lot of the white stuff out there, and we've been trying to keep it off the parking lot. I gotcha. I'm I'm trying to. I'm just visualizing uh, feet of snow, like multiple feet of snow. I'm visualizing that. Um, so today's today's title is facing the fear of a capital campaign. And uh, this is the kind of story I was just mentioning to you guys. This is the kind of story that doesn't get told. Um, This is the kind of thing that churches ramp up to, uh, but perhaps without a whole lot of context or understanding of other people's experiences. Uh, That's why a month or so ago when Michael and I were talking on the phone and he started talking about Uh, this capital campaign, I asked uh, him if it might be possible just to tell this story. And uh, I want to thank both of you for your willingness to to share uh, with me, but also with those who are going to listen to this, who are listening right now, um, the story of your capital campaign. What I was thinking is, um, I was preparing for this morning, I was thinking, you know, there's really no one cookie cutter uh, plan for a capital campaign. So much depends on timing, so much depends on uh, available resources, so much depends on, um, on ministry goals and things like that. And that's exactly the, the case with PCRC. Uh, uh, this has been a great time for you guys to be uh, about the business of a capital campaign and uh, a, an addition to the church facility. Uh, and not the least of which has been the 125-year anniversary of your church ministry. Right. Yeah, there were really a couple of things that converged there to, uh, to allow us to do this this way um, and start the campaign when we did. Um, one is to uh, that, that 125th anniversary that was, that was coming up, and we're celebrating that in May of this year, May of 2020. Uh, the other one um, was... Uh, the fact that there had been talk for a long time about needing to upgrade our facility a little bit. We have a, we had a current fellowship hall that was upstairs 
Um, so we had some accessibility issues related to that. Uh, people uh, getting up and down stairs was going to be a challenge. We had an elevator. Um, it's really more of a glorified lift probably than an elevator. It was pretty small and kind of kind of rickety. And, but it did the job. It got people up and down, um, but really wasn't, wasn't very conducive um, to the types of ministry that we were doing. Plus, we were outgrowing the space. And we wanted to develop a space for our youth, uh, and so on. Have that they didn't have a dedicated space, and so just a number of things. So we put a, a task force together and said, "Hey, it'd be great if we could get something figured out as part of the timing for a celebration of our 125th anniversary." So we called it. The, so a, a, a committee met, um, put together. We put a facilities team together, and they came back with a proposal to build a, a new um, 5,800 square foot fellowship hall a large gathering space, a couple of bathrooms, which we were in dire need of, um, a large new kitchen, uh, commercial kitchen uh, that would be a part of that and, and so on uh, to, to host uh, weddings, uh, funeral lunches, um, just regular activities of the church and so on. And um, uh, the idea behind that was that, hey, we're, let's, we've, we've done 125 years, years of ministry here. What are the next 125 years going to look like? Um, so that's why we ended up calling it the 125 campaign is looking back at 125 years plus looking forward setting ourselves up for another 125 years so that's kind of the impetus of the of the whole project yeah and that's uh that has to be just so critical the um like say like you're saying the timing but but linking uh the church's heritage the the church's history related to ministry in the community linking it to the future linking it to um people and families and faces that haven't uh, yet become part of the church, but uh, dreaming and about that future and what that would look like. So I, I think I, that just really is so impressive. Um, one of the things um, that I want to point out, and maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe I'll remember to do this at the end, maybe just remind me if I don't, um, but you guys are in the actual fellowship hall that was uh, constructed as a result of the capital campaign. We're sitting in it right now. That's pretty cool. Well, yep. uh, I don't want to mess up our framing right now, but maybe at the end we'll turn the camera and, and uh, give folks uh, a look around. Uh, so let's uh, um, talk about the finances. Michael, um, you're capable in terms of finances. Uh, I think you were in banking prior to coming into full-time ministry. Uh, but it's really why we have Sadie at the table because she's a CPA and the chair of the finance committee. So let's, uh, let's both of you, both of you tell me about, uh, how the finances came together for this capital campaign. Where, where does that all start? Yeah. Um, we originally, when we decided to move forward, we got some drawings and stuff and decided to move forward. We wanted to see, um, and the initial project cost came back at about $1.3 million. That was the best guess that, uh, that a contractor we had hired at the time to uh, help us put together some numbers it gave us. Um, then we hired a, an architect to give us some concept drawings that we could then present to the congregation. And our process was to say, okay, um, we like this idea. The council has endorsed this idea in theory. Um, but we want to see if there's enough congregational will uh, to uh, to raise 1.3 million dollars uh, for something. So we had an initial pledge drive um, and said we're just going to we want to test the waters with this and uh, see see how much we can get. And that yielded us close to 400 thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. So we had about 400 thousand dollars with that, which left us well short of one point. It's a lot of money, sure. but it left right. us well short of 1.3 million million dollars. Right. And, so at that point, we had a decision to make. 
and that was whether or not to uh, to proceed or or go forward or or, or stop. Mm -hmm. uh, we had decided at that point that we could we were comfortable with um, you know long term debt not greater than half a million, right? Five hundred thousand. Yep. yep. Mm -hmm. So. Um, we said, okay, that's 900,000, still leaves us about $400,000 short of our goal. Um, and uh, we kind of decided through a lot of conversations and uh, a lot of lot of prayer really, and just a lot of involvement with people to just go forward on faith. And uh, so we presented it to the congregation for a, for a final vote and approval. We hired a, an engineer, um, a structural engineer to design the thing and get us some hard numbers. Uh, those numbers came back at about 1.2 million, um, and by this point, we were starting to spend significant money. It's, it cost us between, I think, between 25 and 30 thousand dollars to get those concept drawings and all of all of that. So we wanted to make sure there was enough will there. We didn't want to spend 30 thousand dollars on drawings that just sat in a safe, um, and that doesn't right. do anybody any good. And uh, so we moved forward, and then once we really got going with the project and we presented the final numbers to the congregation and said, okay, yay or up or down, and then the, the money really just seemed to start, people got excited about it and money started coming mm -hmm. in. Yep, yep. Um, and what was, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, um, we also, within our conversations, we talked a lot about private lending um, and lending from our actual congregational members. and. I didn't realize this, but in the past, um, CRC raised monies this way to help with building our sanctuary. Um, so there was a precedent set 20 or 30 years ago, I Probably think. Or 35 even. More than 20. Yeah. <laughs> um, that potentially obtaining congregational loans was an opportunity to help raise funds. So by the time it was all said and done um, with the project to date right now, the building that we're sitting in uh, cost us, uh, we, did, we did really well, we had some great help, and uh, the project all told is going to cost us right at or just under a million dollars, so we came in under budget, Wow, um, which, is, which is great, and got everything we needed and wanted, um, and uh, we, uh, to date, we've, um, we've got in that congregational lending, we've got about 335-ish. Yep thousand dollars in long-term debt so about seven hundred thousand dollars or so um uh, was was raised um during the course of the course of the project mm -hmm. so um and let's talk just for a minute about uh lending you guys what options did you look at in terms of of or borrowing money uh what what were the options and what did you finally decide on yeah we talked a lot about Kind of what the terms of these loans would look like and we came to an agreement rather quickly that we wanted to make them as easy as possible and consistent as possible for those that wanted to partake in this way um, so we decided we would structure the terms so that they were going to be 10-year loans and we would repay on a monthly basis principal and interest um, and provide for a 3.5 percent interest rate which we felt would be rather competitive within the market and um, provide some nice cost savings as well for the church as, as far as obtaining financing in that way. We looked at a, some other options we explored during that process in addition to private lending was um, going with a bank, mm -hmm. um, you know, securing, mm -hmm. uh, securing lending through a bank and getting a mortgage and, and all of that. And also we looked uh, um, quite heavily into using the CRC loan fund. Um, okay. 
and going that route. So I had some conversation with David Bean around that. And in the end, we kind of decided, well, let's, let's approach this to the, let's approach this with a congregation first and see how much we can, we, we can garner with private lending. If we need to go to one of those other options where we can still, we can still do that, but this is a lot less expensive. Um, we don't have closing costs associated with this. It's just, uh, Sadie is great. She drew up a she drew up a note with terms, and uh, we just entered into those individually with our with our congregation members. And it turned out that we yielded everything we need, and then some. We ended up even having to turn a couple people away, saying, "Hey, wow. thanks. we've got all we need." Wow. Uh, and uh, so that was those were those were kind of our options that we that we all explored. Does the does the private lending option does uh, is this a factor in this? Like it um, it. Uh, strengthens the partnership, you, you might say, between uh, church members and church ministry going forward because you're you're kind of agreeing to do this together. Is that a factor here? Um, you know what I'm saying? I'd like to think so. Mm -hmm. I'd certainly like to think so that we can we can honestly say now that as a congregation, um, we yes we went into some debt to 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 this, but this entire thing, this one point this $1 million project was financed completely in-house um, by our right. own people. Right. And I think that's a powerful statement to be able to make. Um, and uh, that there was that much commitment. There's a, you know, we don't want to put too much in that. There were, you know, because there were all kinds of people who made all kinds of uh, sacrificial commitments to this. Um, we had people, um, you know, members of our congregation donate their, their work in kind. Um, Sadie's father, in fact, is a cabinet maker. He made the cabinets for the kitchen. And along with a along with a cabinet partner of his, uh, we have a guy in our congregation who installs windows. He donated his labor to install the windows, and you know, just a lot of those kind of things that people got involved in ways that they could, um, you know, of of, uh, of supporting this project. So, if, can I rewind just a second? Um, when you had an initial pledge drive, and the number was at around four hundred thousand, um, and you had to decide. Uh, about whether or not to proceed, I, I, I'm I am interested in that whole conversation and process. But I, I'm also I'm also interested in what happened after you made the decision um, to move forward with an initial pledge of four hundred thousand. What were the gifts and pledges after that? Oh, I think they were close to about three hundred thousand. Um, as far as pledges and gifts, we wow. should also note that we've received some, we were, the church was a beneficiary to a few estates that have recently um, been distributed out to the church. And that really significantly helped with some of the funds that we raised for the project. Which is, which was unbeknownst to us at the mm -hmm. time we decided to proceed. That was mm -hmm. a, that was really a, a blessing from the Lord there. The timing of all of that as well um, was really um, beyond understanding in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's so. that's one of the things I had in mind when when I was uh, at the top, and I was saying, you know, there's no cookie cutter sort of plan for a capital campaign. So much depends on timing and circumstances and finances, uh, current, you know, in real time, and what the plans are going forward. And uh, to know that there was an estate gift coming to the church that no one anticipated, but that could be leveraged towards the uh, the campaign is really is really just amazing. We got the congregation involved in some other ways too through that process. We had a kind of a summertime campaign 
Whereas if we received $100,000 in new gifts and pledges over the course of a three month period in the summer, um, uh, at the start of the football season, when the Vikings played the Packers, I would dye my hair Green Bay Packers green and a, and a good friend of ours who's a Vikings or a, or a Packers fan would dye his, his, uh, his hair um, uh, purple. Vikings purple. And uh, so we did that one Sunday. We've got pictures of that, of him and I with our purple and green hair together. It was a fun way to get the congregation involved. And it didn't matter whether you gave $50 or $500 or $5,000. It all counted. counted right. So. And that was a goal of, what, did you say 100 $150,000, I get my hair green. $100,000, he gets his hair purple. And we, we, had, we had achieved that goal. So it's pretty fun. That's, that is so much fun. So I had uh, a couple of worship services. <laughs> What incredible momentum. And uh, it's, you know, that's a steep hill. I mean, you didn't know you were going to come under budget. And so if you're looking at $1.3 million, that's a steep hill. Um, And and I imagine you have to take a bit of a breath before you dive into that pool. Oh, when when we had that initial pledge drive, and then there was a lot of conversations about, hey, do we do this or do we not? We were by no means... Uh, unanimous nor comfortable um, with the decision to go go forward um, so we decided to try to kind of take it in increments and and uh, get the stru- spend at least the 35,000 get the structural drawings and that kind of stuff done and hire a hire a firm um, and uh, and then once once we kind of firmly decided to pull the trigger and announce that to the congregation it seemed like that's what kind of everybody's waiting for it was kind of tentative up until that yep. point yep yeah, once we had actual numbers from potential subcontractors and we could really substantiate that $1.3 million original estimate, that's when people were like, oh, okay, yeah, we can we can really make this work. Right. Um, and that's kind of when things just really started moving and um, yeah. the congregational yeah. loans came in and it was, it was wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that is so exciting. Congregation sensed our tentativeness, which was fair. And then right. once we were tentative anymore, um, then it said, okay, now I get my checkbook out. I feel comfortable getting my checkbook out, you know, yeah. and then it, then it really took off. Uh, so you guys had, um, you had gifts of stock come too, right? And just because uh, we're Barnabas Foundation over here and we, we deal with that all, all, all day long. Um, what were the, what were the instant, not specific instances, but what were the scenarios in which people realized they could donate stock towards the campaign? Yeah, we, about two or three years ago, we established a, um, a foundation through Barnabas Foundation. And so we had three different funds set up and one of those funds was a building fund. Um, and we had one um, member that wanted to make a substantial contribution of stock to the building project. And having that established foundation and the investment set up with Barnabas allowed for that that transaction to take place rather efficiently and effectively. Um, and there are a lot of tax benefits for making those types of gifts to right. organizations as well, um, which is a wonderful thing to be able to accept and receive and um, great for the person that's making that gift as well. Mm-hmm. But from what I understand, say, correct me if I'm wrong, the nuts and bolts of that here are such that he can, that gift of stock can be given directly to the foundation, mm-hmm. thereby that individual avoids capital gains tax. That's correct. Yeah. Um, and then Barna, the foundation liquidates the stock on our behalf, mm-hmm. and then we, we receive the benefit of, of that. We can turn that into cash right away, 
and um, if uh, we choose to, and if that's the yes, if we want to use the funds right, right we want to want to use the funds right away, mm -hmm. and then um, uh, and then they get the tax benefit um, and the and the donation benefit of the full fifty thousand dollars without having to pay or the full amount without having to pay the capital gains tax. That's yeah, that's that's awesome. And plus, it takes all kinds of gifts uh, to make something like this happen. You know, it's not it's that one size fits all when it comes to giving either. Um, there's all different kinds of ways to give and to, to make contributions. And some people are just in a different situation where it makes sense for them to give um, non-cash assets. Exactly. So, um, oh, go ahead. We have a lot of kids that are all over the range. Mm -hmm. um, three figures to four figures to five figures that, 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 that span the spectrum. Right. And we've also um, added in a monthly offering as well. So that's, that's been a huge part of kind of gauging our, you know, our, our, just our gifts on a monthly basis to help service the debt that we will have in the end. Um, and that's another way for people to give on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, we'll continue to the offerings on that. Um, Debt service of about a little over three thousand dollars a month for us. Um, nice. On that. Nice. So, um, so um, can we talk about the fellowship hall? And uh, I mean, we we just mentioned it at the beginning, but can you describe? Um, did you say fifteen hundred feet square foot? Fifty-eight hundred. Fifty-eight. Sorry, numbers are not my yeah. thing. Um, so 5,800 square feet. So uh, talk about talk about the the addition um, and its pieces, but also its functionality for the church. Yeah, uh, one of our main goals with this process was to uh, in, improve and increase accessibility. Um, as I said, right now our current fellowship hall was upstairs, um, so that was one big issue that we wanted to increase, and also just space. We have a pretty small what you might call narthex at the back of our sanctuary it was very crowded noisy unconducive for visiting and conversations on sunday morning no place for anybody to sit down um you know and and so on and so uh this this space is now currently on the same level as our fellowship hall we had room to build which is helpful um we had some green space uh that we that we took up we did not take up any parking spaces or anything like that we had the room for it uh, which is important um, and then we could also add on to our current um, space on the same on the same level, so it'll flow from there, provide more space, and then our old fellowship hall, which is upstairs, we hope to repurpose into uh, a dedicated space for our youth and just some other space that we can use, some free up some space uh, to do other things and be a little more flexible with, and some of that kind of stuff. So that was the big goal. So what we ended up building was just a large, um, a large room. I can, I can show it to the group here if you'd like me to. Yeah. Why don't you, and do a, do a nice slow pan so we get a, get a chance. <laughs> All right. I'm not, I'm not much of a videographer, but we'll uh -huh. give it a try. So um, you'll see our tables and chairs here set up. We just got these delivered last week. So we're trying to figure out our, how we want to configure stuff. Um, so, but here's kind of here, I'll do this so that we can see. Um, yeah, that's huge. Oh my word. It's a that's big so space. beautiful. And I saw, uh, I saw pictures of the exterior and it, and it just fits in seamlessly with the existing uh, structure too. Yeah, we've got an outside and then over in, um, in this corner over here is where our bathrooms are and then the kitchen is back, uh, back that way there. And um, so and then we, we set it up for electronics. We've got TVs and projectors and, and everything oh, nice. in the space as well. Nice. Um, 
it just and it flows in nice with our existing space. Um, that was a bit of an engineering nightmare to figure out how to tie this in with our existing space, but um, we had some really great people who did really great work to make that happen for us. Well, it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, congratulations to you guys. I'm I'm so thrilled. Uh, I'm thrilled at the way that you guys uh, continue to link. Uh, ongoing ministry and vision for ministry to giving to to generosity uh, that's in, in large measure what drives people's giving when they feel inspired about uh, what's yet to come and uh, you know as I said you guys were uh, at the bottom of your, a very steep hill um, and now uh, this space and and other spaces in the building that are freed up for uh, different kinds of ministry uh, can be used uh, for the next 125 years. That's the goal. That's mm -hmm. the hope that we continue to serve the Lord well here with uh, with the space he's blessed us with. Um, and uh, that's part of the legacy that we leave. We call our, our foundation the Legacy Foundation. Um, and that's largely, largely why um, we've been left the legacy of this building from those who have come before us. And we hope to do the same for the generations that will come after us. Hopefully another five generations or so, another 125 years, Lord willing. Sadie and Michael, thank you so much for your time uh, this morning. Thanks for working along with me on this. I so appreciate it. And thanks for sharing your story with us today. Happy to, happy to do so. Thanks for your work on, be, on behalf of our churches. We appreciate it. Of course. Uh, again, uh, just a reminder to those who are watching, uh, uh, please uh, think about leaders that you can share this with in the church. Uh, especially if you know churches or leaders, uh, if you yourself are considering a capital campaign, this is a great story to be able to share. It'll spark all kinds of um, ideas and conversations that uh, you should be having around a capital campaign. Also, I just want to mention the winter issue of Generosity Today is out. That's uh, a newsletter that uh, Barnabas Foundation produces, gives to every Christian Reformed church. It goes to your church office. It comes in a PDF form, but it also can be sent out as an email. And uh, it's designed to educate and promote uh, gifts in a will and also gifts of non-cash assets. Um, and we stand ready as a, as a, at Barnabas Foundation to help your church uh, receive those kinds of gifts. Thanks, everyone. Uh, for the time this morning, and uh, God bless you in the rest of the day. Thanks for joining Thanks for us. Good day. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This audio has been brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn how we can help you experience smart and powerful generosity. Visit us today at www.barnabasfoundation.com.